0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to YouTube success. We're here doing a YouTube podcast with a LinkedIn expert, who knew you could just change your mind and do something ridiculous on your own podcast. Here we are, and we were just talking about ridiculousness of podcasts. So here I am. Uh, look, you know, the thing is it's called YouTube success and we're talking about um, growing YouTube channels and all of that kind of stuff. But what I wanted to do and what the reason why I have this podcast in the first place is cuz I have a great network of wonderful people around the world and of course uh, when I uh, created my list of people uh, Judy was one of those people I was hoping would say yes to come on the podcast and uh, here she is so uh, yes it's not specifically a youtube thing but there's so much value here we're going to be talking about personal branding we're going to be talking about the epic speed at which Judy has grown on linkedin back in 2018 but uh, you know loads more stuff has happened since then and a few other things as well so If you're in my world and maybe you've not heard of, somehow you've missed Fox Rocks and you've not heard of Judy yet, uh, then Judy, I'd love you to uh, do your own intro and tell us a little bit about you and what what people need to know, really.
1: Well, all they have to know is hashtag Fox Rocks. And (laughs) that I got started really actively posting videos on LinkedIn in around 2017, 2018. And definitely hit several million views very quickly. It is an amazing platform. I doubled down there. We'll talk about how LinkedIn's the only platform I used for four years straight. That's it, the only social media platform. So that is the power of focus and really getting in on a platform and doubling down. And I have now been listed as a top voice on LinkedIn by LinkedIn, and they've given me the top voice of social media strategy and sales I love sales so I have been working with clients since 2018 with my LinkedIn business accelerator and then bing bing boom I'm done with my intro (laughs) like what's at the ground running (laughs) there
0: you go it's always I don't know about you but it's always awkward when someone asks you to do your own intro because people do it and they tell you your intro and you're like oh my god that sounds amazing who wrote that it weren't me (laughs) but so I like to put people on the spot because actually you know it's funny you, you kind of forget what you've done until people ask you about it. And then you start to think about, oh yeah, I did that thing. I did that thing. Um, and we'll talk about some of this as we go through these questions. Um, but the first thing I wanted to talk about, most importantly, is how we met. Well, how, look, let's be honest. Let's tell the people really. How I think we met. <laughs> it's, been, yeah. it's been quite a while since that time. But it's really about a community because in twenty September 2018, I decided at that point that I wanted to start a YouTube channel. I looked at something like September the 17th of uh, 2018. And about a week later, I booked a ticket to go to VidSummit in LA. So it was kind of a big deal for me because I decided, and I was absolutely hooing myself because I was going to go to the other side of the world where there's a whole bunch of YouTubers that as far as I could tell, they were the best YouTubers in the world. But I thought if I'm going to go and learn from anybody, I should go to, to something like that, right? And it seemed really reasonable price-wise. So I goes there. and um, I did what I normally do before events. And this is a tip for anyone that's going to events. Like go on Twitter, go on Instagram, go on LinkedIn, all of the socials and find the hashtags and find like the event hashtag. Or search for the event name and you'll find a bunch of people. So if you've never, you've never been to an event before. You don't know anyone like I didn't know anyone there. Just go the best place for me, strangely enough, was Twitter. I found uh, Rob and a bunch of other people. And what Ooh, happened I'm when I got add there?
1: I'm going to add got, something.
0: Yeah, go for it. Yeah, go for it. Go
1: find all the speakers and yes. join your comments because the speakers are kind of a bit of a hub of they want visibility on the event and that they're speaking, so you know they're going to be posting. Yeah. Want to find some content to grab onto without knowing who's going to be there yet? That's a good place to start. To.
0: Yeah, I love that. Actually, when I was looking back for the stories of how we met, I did find some of the old 2018 stuff and I found loads of things that I'd not seen, you know, when you're at the event and the feeds are going really crazy, like loads oh, of yeah. pictures of stuff, of me in Drunken position in photos. So like, you know, yeah, definitely the comments. That's how I found people. I would see announcements from VidSummit. They would say so-and-so speaking. And then a bunch of people that would comment saying I'm going, can't wait to be there. Yes. And then i would connect with them and that kind of thing. So yeah, brilliant advice. But for me, the thing is, I was really nervous, right? At 2018, I was 35. I'd been public speaking around the world, so there was no problem being on stage, anything like that. But going to an event and not knowing anybody, especially the other side of the world, was really I was really nervous about it. But what happened is when I met Rob and I met yourself and a few other people there is I found that everybody was welcoming, right? There's nothing better than going to an event where someone says to you, hey, come and join me for a coffee or come to dinner and as i said to you before i think that's where we we ended up meeting as we went for dinner and there was like 30 people and you've just got to be really brave about it and just say you know what are you doing after the event is anybody going for a drink or anyone going for dinner and you'll find yourself invited to these great events and, and personally for me one of the things i loved is just how friendly people like you were you know we can build up this picture that oh it's judy you know she's had all these millions of views on linkedin And feel a little bit standoffish. So I guess what I'd ask you is, how do you feel when someone comes up to you and they're in that, how do you help them out? What would you do for them?
1: So we all have our, either if it's coping with feeling awkward or maybe let's call it the art of just standing around. Because standing around and not necessarily rushing to do something, because guess what? I don't know where I'm going to dinner sometimes at these events. I don't know what the next kind of gathering thing will be, not necessarily. And that's kind of that art of not rushing away from maybe a circle. If you're standing in a circle and you feel really awkward, nobody's paying that much attention to you. It's called the spotlight effect, where we think the spotlight's on us, but actually people are engrossed in their conversation. You may feel really awkward standing there, But if you keep standing there and you keep kind of popping in or being, you know, smiling and just nodding along with whatever conversation's happening and you don't totally get weird, I guess, (laughs) you'll end up being there long enough for them to go, hey, we're headed here. Like, or you'll be naturally part of the conversation keeps rolling, but. Yeah, it feels awkward sometimes standing there, especially when you feel like you don't really know everyone in the circle or what's happening. Yeah,
0: so. and I love the art of standing around because I've definitely been in that position plenty of times. You don't and look
1: I, as awkward as you think you look,
0: no. I think. That's and it. I think other people are the same, right? A lot of people are in the same position. I, I met a lady called Christina at the time when I got there. I was standing in the queue and she happened to have her in the line. So that's the American term. Like um, the queue. It's all good. <laughs> good. She, we happened to have a channel and her, her name was make video Greece. And mine was make video UK. It was like really weird that we happened to be standing together. Oh, that's cool. And she traveled all the way from Greece. She knew nobody as well. And we ended up hanging, hanging out together for like the two, three days, you know, and I would introduce her to people. She would introduce her to people as we met. So just finding buddies, I think as you go into these events is so important. And actually, you know, finding these little dinners where you're not planning what you're doing for dinner and you, you end up somewhere where some of the best connections and A community is created. So definitely get involved in that stuff.
1: Oh, I really like holding things. So I feel less awkward. So now I have a bag that's a fox, obviously, because hello, my last name is Fox, if you can't tell. And the bag that I hold now just has random fox stickers. So I now have what I call a networking prop. Anyone can have a networking prop. You don't have to have like a fun last name called you could have i don't even know like a little rubik's cube like you could have anything and it's something you're holding on to that like a little conversation starter or something i'm just given some ideas here and then the last thing is have a buddy have a friend that even when you're in these groups and you're doing the art of looking awkward standing around you could if you can't tip over to that yet you could Buddy up with somebody that also is like, "Hey, I'm also new here. I don't really know anyone." And you can look awkward together in a group, which actually makes neither of you look that awkward.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. I love that. And having a prop is a good thing. Having that now. What I'm about to say is maybe not true, but I don't think anything's that awkward if you take something. I've seen people with American footballs that they'll pass to help people chat around. <laughs> you that's know, sort of Standard sort of things, or or something they'll throw at someone and see if they catch it. You see those videos on YouTube and stuff all the time. Okay, wicked. So that was just a thing. I wanted to talk about community and going to events because I think events are where the magic happens. All right, so we're going to move to the actual uh, talking to you about you. I, when I looked, it said, and then it's really funny because I love this um, about you as well. It said that you were a CV writer and career coach. Is that right? Before... I did get
1: started with that. Yeah, my first thoughts for LinkedIn all the way back in around 2008, 2009 was its four-year resume. Back then, you could not become a content creator on LinkedIn. I know that sounds like a funny thing to say, but you couldn't post the way that you post now. The only yeah, people that, that could post were like Richard it. Branson or Sarah Blakely could post or something, but like they couldn't let the ordinary people post from being a uh, tummy cheek there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it only really tipped over when LinkedIn allowed everyone to start posting. And everyone could get a newsletter. Not everyone could even have a newsletter all the way up until two or three years ago. They didn't even let people have a newsletter. So the idea that LinkedIn was for content strategy and posting, it's pretty brand new in the world of social media, which I think is why LinkedIn gets a bad rap a little bit because it wasn't known for that. And that's okay. It's
0: okay to change who you are. Yeah, it took a while. And that's why there's still that weird view that people can't be social on LinkedIn, which has just blows my mind. What interested me the most is I think the people that are listening to this podcast, my audience, the target audience is really like people that want to start a YouTube channel or people that want to grow their YouTube channel. And a lot of those people are people that have jobs at the moment and they want to move into being a a creator, a full-time creator of some sort. And whether you were doing it full-time or not, the time as your own business it still feels like something that could have been a side hustle that you moved and you, you went full creator mode in 2018 and you seem to have a time where you decided that was going to be the case so can you just talk us through like how did you uh, decide that you were really going to go you said right at the start about focus so how did you decide you were going to focus on them and make it a big thing
1: well, I would say the best thing to think about for any uh, creator that you follow for inspiration or advice is I think the best ones are the ones that maybe have a bit of a roller coaster or not just a just a straight path and that's it because that is not the reality for pretty much anyone. So, I did have my first job out of college and I stayed with that job climbing the good old corporate ladder for ten years. A very happy. I was not looking to become anything other than a chemical engineer meets a sustainability expert. Cause that's what I was doing in, in corporate America for Fortune 500 company. And I got laid off during that. I got let go during that economic crisis of 2008, the housing crisis. So that was my first experience with going, oh wait, it isn't just a straight line. I'd have to take charge of my career. And the very first thing I did was I was like, oh, I'll get my own website. I'll launch my own business. I will get my own um, business set up with all the business, like, you know, whether that be, I don't know what to call it, like all the different like uh, legal elements in place and make sure yeah. that I own for the rest of my life. Judy and the brand Judy Fox, because that is something no one in my mind at that moment could ever take away from me. And I think it's slightly traumatizing when you lose your job for the very first... (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, totally. ...during a layoff. You know, the thing is that that realization is actually because you, at school, and I assume in the American education system, it's the same, you're almost bred to be a worker bee of some description. And so you think that a career means, yeah, you might jump a couple of times, but you just never consider that actually someone could lay you off and then you've got to find a new job or maybe even during a crisis like that, there's not as many jobs and then you've got to be resourceful and do something yourself. And so this idea of like security doesn't exist, maybe how school and university sold it to us as the dream, you know. So that sounds great. So, so you decided to do that stuff then and then what about... But I did
1: go back to corporate. <laughs> okay. So yes, I will say it took me all the way until 2018. So it took me 10 more years. So between that period of time, I went to corporate, back full time in my business, went back to corporate, full time in my business. I did that cycle twice because two things. Number one, I had major life changes that affected my decisions of what I wanted to do full, full time. And I will say the whole time though, it made me realize you should always hold on to whatever business you have because there is no guarantee in the corporate world. But again, I came back to the mindset. There will always be a guarantee that I have Judy Fox. I have me myself. And I, <laughs> so as long as I'm kicking here on this planet, I have myself. So I, and am- I, beyond grateful for that because I could hold that when you think about the resume world and that concept I was able to continuously leverage the fact that I was running my own business no matter what was a part of that business I was able to keep growing and keep my skills up in any kind of perceived gap and I never had a gap on my resume ever again because I just had my own business so I kind of want to put that out there because that was looking back in hindsight, that is the best decision I ever made. Because when I had a major life event, I ended up as a single mom in 2014. And I was able to immediately, because I'd been networking on LinkedIn, growing my LinkedIn, I think at that point, I was maybe up to just 2014, maybe about two or 3,000 followers and connections. It wasn't crazy, but it was that is a lot of people when you really think yeah, about yeah. It's how It's could to be sustained.
0: Work. Yeah. It's, it's like a side hustle or whatever you need at that point. I was That's able it. to pull you the know.
1: trigger. I yeah. made one, I was able to make a post in 2014 because when I found myself, I had been, what's that word? I had been feeding and supporting my community. And whether I knew I was growing a community or not, I didn't know. I just knew I was able to make a post on LinkedIn saying I needed an opportunity. I had a life change. And, Need to go back to corporate because of that. I was no longer going to be able to run this business I had started uh, full-time. And I kept my business on the side while I went back to corporate. But I was able to find a corporate position at that time very quickly because I made yeah. a post on LinkedIn. And it just flooded my opportunities.
0: You, you could almost say that the foundations and the stars were there ready to be taken because you know, because I didn't ask
1: anything from them until that moment I had just been giving I had been in that world of hey I have a lot of things going well for me right now and I was running my business full-time so I went full-time somewhere around again again it went like this so it around 2011 2012 I was full-time in my business and I was traveling the world and I was living that online creator's dream of went to new zealand i went to kingdom of tonga i lived in germany i was loving it i was location independent in 2012
0: it was beautiful good so you made the change then you did the corporate thing and i think a lot of people myself included can appreciate what that's like and going through that kind of natural cycle as you leave education but then you decided to go full focus full steam ahead In 2018. So it was 2018, really, the things really changed, right? Yes.
1: I wasn't doing that kind of like one foot in, one foot out. I actually went part time in corporate. I negotiated a new contract and that lasted for a while. But I also saw the writing on the wall that I was like, I'd have to decide and I'm going to take a bet on me. And I wanted to throw up. (laughs) It had that moment of, on that uncertainty kind of like jumping off the cliff like kind of like going to an event where you don't know anybody feeling it's that just that overwhelming sense of i have zero concept of what's going to really happen next like zero yeah and i think to me that also was exciting that also made me feel really alive and excited so i was leaning into it i definitely read books like when to jump and you know all these kind of like how do you know (laughs) yeah but i think the number one thing that is key is that i had already started learning how to kind of jump in two thousand eight. So yeah, yeah you
0: I, you'd set some of the seed you'd laid some of the seeds by the sounds of it. you were building the personal brand yeah and i suppose from my perspective in the uk i did some of the same in the it world i used to fix computers as a side hustle the only issue i got to is one company i worked for said it was a conflict of interest so i think the caveat to all of this is if you are building a personal brand at the same time as having a corporate role, just make sure there's no conflict of interest because, trust me, that was not a nice experience I went through. Um, but if you can do that and if you can build your personal brand at the same time, I think that's the seeds, that's the foundations that you laid. And then maybe maybe the jump is less of a jump then if you know did you've, you've been through that in and out process. you know.
1: And I had already started making content and here's the real kicker that i would take away too the key in that experience of having one foot in the corporate world one foot out and doing part-time for a period of time and having the side hustle it was taking the pressure off the content strategy so a lot of people will start their content strategy and underneath there is a feeling of this has to work. This has to get views. This has to convert. And I didn't have that. And that is the beauty of having income that was coming in at a very solid level that I had negotiated, at least at the part-time level, that I could create content from a space of freedom and that it, it was not easy to do both. I will admit it took a lot of effort to run two things concurrently, but the ability to content create was literally one of the, my best moments of just having such good energy, not caring. I went to Vid Summit. I think in that moment in 2018 was a little bit of that moment where I was like, I don't need anything for this. I just need to have a great time, create yeah. good content but I don't need income to come from this. It's being covered because I have this part-time and steady income that I can count on. It wasn't my full income. So I knew I needed to start building it up and build up my business, but it took so much of the pressure off, which did allow me to convert business. And it's like that thing that everyone, the more you want it, you think, why am I not converting business? And sometimes you have to like, stop acting like you needed to happen because we can read yeah, the deal. We can effect. see totally, the desperation.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <sweat. laughs> yeah. I totally understand that. And, and I've been in that position. And, and I spoke to one of the previous episodes, is Jesse, um, the first interview actually that's been published. And Jesse, I remember his journey was like when they got to 10,000 subscribers or something like that. I remember there was a point where he put a post in the group both in and he said, I think YouTube's just about to pay me the same amount of money as my corporate job, you know, I can leave now. What should I do? And everyone was like, jump, go, get out of there, you know. But that is the lesson there, really, is just the fact that by maintaining what they already had, or in your case, cutting your hours back just to give you a bit more freedom and space to create, but without that desperation issue. And it kind of goes against a little bit about what a lot of mentors and business people say. And they're like, oh, you need to focus and you need to go all in on this thing. And it's like, Yeah, you can say that, but you don't have my bills and my family to look after. You can't just say, and and I really hate that people just say that and they say it out loud and think it's okay, but you don't understand the people's position. So it needs to be like really caveated with, if you're in a position to fully focus on the thing, but until you're at that point, do what Judy did or do what Jesse did and just do both. And that might mean that sometimes like now for me, it's a podcast at 7 p.m. It might be you creating on a Saturday morning when you've got a bit more free time. Do what you can until you get to that point where this is it's, it's, it's clear, uh, bringing in the, the money because you'll be thankful for it when you're not desperate for the cash for sure.
1: Yeah, I nostalgically look back on some of that content and the freedom and then not having to even worry where the hell that content was going to go. Like, I think yeah. that is kind of, why I look at different channels, it almost makes people's heads scratch because they go, but I see success, but the success you see potentially now, you have to scroll back to see where yeah, yeah. Were they having an amazing time and they possibly weren't doing all the, this needs, this needs an opt-in, this needs a uh, downloadable, you need to be collecting emails, oh my gosh. The focus on acting like early days of whatever it is you're creating, you need to constantly collect everyone's emails and you need to have that funnel set up and it needs to be perfect. That is crap sometimes. That can hurt you. That can hurt your growth and and slow down your trajectory because you're not focusing on the actual thing is people want to get to know you. People want the thing you're trying to show them or entertain them with and... And now you're just trying to put all these elements into place and it's looking really janky. I don't know how else to say it. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I feel it more now, coming from a place of not desperation, I feel it more when I meet someone that is desperate and they immediately want to talk about what And for me, when I make choices, my choices are emotional and they're about people I connect with. If there's 10 people that do the same service of you as you, which one am I going to go for? The one that puts a billboard out there and says, this is what I do. Or the person that I've had dinner with, or that we've had a chat about our dog or pets or whatever, you know, they're the human connections that really make you go, well, you know what? I know that guy, bit more expensive than the one over here, but actually we went for dinner, really like what they said or the had the way they introduced me to people, how they made me feel, you know, that makes a difference. So yeah, I totally understand that. Right. So let's talk about moving away from that. I do agree on those fronts, but I want to talk a little bit more about being strategic. Let's find something
1: then.
0: we disagree on. i just just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we'll find something let's
1: in there. argue. Yeah.
0: So I think you, you did that and it was fun and you was enjoying it. Is it still fun? Just as a side note, is it still fun? You're still enjoying it as much?
1: yes some again everything has a different part that you enjoy though too so
0: for for professional contractual reasons yes it is yes still love it
1: i would say it evolves to different things and evolves with all of your life impact that happened to you like i just had a house fire which is super random to share it changes what you put out into the world or how you show up but To me, it becomes where did you put your boundaries and how did you set things up? And I think for me, that's important to keep asking yourself every single year that you do this so you don't burn out. You don't feel like you've extended your boundaries to a place where it isn't fun anymore and you're being forced. That's going back to being an employee of your own making
0: yeah yeah totally yeah
1: i don't want to be an employee of my business i want to own it i want to yeah. own my life experience so yeah i have to constantly ask and answer myself what do i what what is the result what's happening next so and i'll just share i don't believe being a consistent content creator
0: okay Woo! good <laughs> well, so this is really funny, because on the way here, I was on the train back, and Mr. B said something recently, I saw it on Two buddies channel. It was a quote, and he was saying about, "Don't worry about being consistent. just create great content in whatever schedule." And I was like, "Great, I can talk about that because it's something I disagree with, but with context. So yes. t- everything tell me... has co- I'll give you yeah, my yeah. context.
1: You give, give me you your, your com- context. Yeah,
0: go for it. Yeah. Because consistency is definitely. We we'll do rock, paper, sentence who go, go goes first. Yeah. I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> you go for it. You go for it.
1: I would say there, it's not a matter of if something's gonna happen in your life, it's a matter of when. Yeah. So if you've trained your brain to think that success is linked to consistent content creation. And then you have to create this consistent stream of content, whatever it is you've decided, a YouTube video channel, there you go. And it has to always consistently come out at Tuesday 8 a.m. That is setting yourself up potentially for a future failure that you've linked that so closely that it will not give you freedom for any life changes that will happen. And it is not a matter of if they're going to happen, it's a matter of been. been through enough things. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I had no idea lightning was going to strike my head and I'm really glad that I don't believe and I didn't set my mind up to link my success in my business to constant yeah. content creation and here's what I believe is the thing you should be constant about is be constantly networking with the people you have relationships with. I may not be consistent in other things. I may not. I haven't posted a podcast, and there's a lot of reasons for that, but it becomes down to I can consistently network with someone That's amazing like you and be on your podcast, and that can replace what may have been something that I can't do right now. Mm-hmm. And be instead, here's instead be a craveable Netflix show. Craveable Netflix show. Is something that I don't care if it needs to take a break and a breather It'll come back and I'm there for season five season 10 I never wanted to go off the air and I'd rather be a craveable for Netflix show that never goes off the air
0: yeah so in that context totally understand and totally agree with you who knew after just saying something we disagree with we'd find something <laughs> immediately um, that's called manifestation I think so I totally agree with that. From my perspective, when I heard what Mr. Bees was saying, it was like, well, actually now, and you talked about it now being like year five of where he's at. When you look at it that way and having a team of producers who come up with like content ideas and then they decide and they've got a month, you know, month long schedules of when things are going to go. Plus having the demand of being the craveable Netflix person you do have means demand, yes. that you have more freedom to not be consistent because actually what they're waiting for is the next big video of yours. You know, the sweet kitchens thing is Mr. Beast's big thing at the time, right? And he's always looking to improve that. So, but for my people that are just getting started, the, what we do is we build a bank of content before we start publishing. So I say to them, build like four to eight or maybe even 12 videos ahead of time. So when life does get in the way, then you've got something to put in there and you continue your consistent schedule. So it's more about batch filming and and that kind of thing. Same as what I'm doing with the podcast. We're, We're creating like eight, maybe 12 episodes before we launch the thing. So it's just context and it's about like you're part of the journey. Like if you're in year five and you have that freedom, you have the financial income and all that kind of stuff that's going on, fine, you can be less consistent because you have got that demand. You know, the Fox Rocks um, yeah. hashtag that you've got. If you go and, I mean, you're there endlessly on that hashtag because I should, of course, say we all say the same thing. Saying, we are. Yeah.
1: I agree that you just shouldn't marry those two together.
0: Yes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I don't
1: mean, I don't, this mantra that is so loud out there that the only success yeah. is because you're con, they link the word success. With I was a consistent content creator and I'm like, yeah, oh yeah. my God, stop marrying those two. Because and actually, that when will set you dis- up for future failure.
0: Yeah. And when people get disappointed by the views or whatever they get in, they're like, well, I'll be that consistent. So why, why is that not happening? And it's like, well, but you forgot about all the other elements that come in. It's not, there's a compounding effect that happens with consistency. There's promotion, there's algorithms, there's SEO, there's all the other things that happen and consistency like you say consistency and success those two things are not the only things so you've got to you got to think about the bigger picture yeah. so i think we are agreeing
1: and i agree if you're early in your career i think here's what gets me some of these big creators are on these amazing panels and they're sharing some great advice from stage but consistency sounds so loud from the stage sometimes Yes, yeah. and it's so loud it's, it just fills the auditorium of The echo of what works and that's where i'm like i want to like say there's other things to be consistent like maybe you're a consistent commenter and a consistent community member a consistent collaborator a consistent behind the scenes dm supporter i don't know what you're consistent at but there's other things
0: well tell me this then so in 2018 we were talking at some metrics you've got these on your website so we just take, take them straight off there five million views in two years Million views in six weeks, two thousand to thirty-five thousand followers from your LinkedIn profile. This is all twenty eighteen, right? So Yeah. What my question to you is, were you consistent during that time? What did you strategically do at that time on LinkedIn? Do you think that made the difference? And maybe this links well to your, your accelerator as well, but is there anything you can share with us that you think about you?
1: I was not. I never focused on a strategy of consistently posting because I was just having the time of my life. So I just never had to sit down and make myself think that way, which is a privilege, I guess. And it's a space that I could be in because I was working that part-time situation and I was just having a really freaking good time. So I just wanted to post. I was so excited. I couldn't wait to get back to the computer to like put it all together, put the video together, like It's just such a fun outlet, but I will say the number one thing that I was mentally saying I wanted to be consistent at was commenting, really, really growing the energy of how I showed up and just publicly went out there.
0: So we're talking about engagement really, right? Yeah.
1: Engaging on LinkedIn is a lot different then so imagine to be honest linkedin and tiktok remind me of each other when it comes to commenting and i'll explain i will watch a tiktok video and i'll go to the comments and then the comments even crack me up even more and we can also see how much the comments are getting upvoted there's like comments i've had comments get almost a hundred thousand likes on a comment on tiktok yeah because it's hilarious the comments can be thoughtful they continue the conversation they are context for that video sometimes i like love the comments i even have channels i follow on tiktok that are literally like let's go to the comments
0: <laughs> yeah so, yeah totally. Yeah. it's so a strategy bas- it's a well-known strategy as well right it's yeah. leveraging other people's audience you want to find your audience you know who your audience are go and find the big creators go to the comments all those people commenting are commenting because they like the creator. So if that's your audience as well, they're going to probably like your content as well. So, so on a great 2018,
1: strategy. I learned that strategy for LinkedIn, not on yeah. my content, on other people's content. If I was an early content writer, if I wrote up, let's put Gary Vaynerchuk in the hot seat. If I wrote a comment within the first 10 minutes of Gary putting up a post on LinkedIn, His audience saw my post and he has 4 million or some, I don't even know back then, how many he has now, it doesn't matter. But I got the attention of the audience following Gary because my comment became top comment, if that makes sense. There's no official top comment, but when I'm getting hundreds of likes on a comment on LinkedIn, that grew me on LinkedIn. That allowed me to not just have to create content, but also just pop and take advantage of being right there, right in the moment. And I literally would hover on some big account just for the moment when I thought they would yeah. post and I would track when I thought Gary's team was going to post and marks down the time of day and put it in my calendar. Oh. That is a strategy. And did it work? Yes. I got my so, attention. I got invited into VaynerMedia. I got to have Claude Silver on my podcast. Because the team recognized me. It's a valuable comment. You can't just comment some crap. Like, you can't be like, good post, Gary.
0: (laughs) Well, the thing is, Gary talks about it himself, right? He says, you know, I respond to all my comments. I don't know if that is still the case now. But when I think about, like, like these people are telling you the answers. You know, people really think, oh, well, you know, maybe that won't work for me, whatever. It's like, look, just do what you're being told. So far, you've told us you're having (laughs) fun on LinkedIn which everybody says you can't have fun on LinkedIn because it's you a boring can. platform, right? It's just for, you know, corporate people. No, just totally rubbish. If you change who you're following, find the right people to follow that are just like you, the people that you love being around. You find that's it's a... Hang problem. out with me to see. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and then commenting on those people and that engagement. But, you know, the problem with commenting, Judy, of course, is that it takes effort. And is effort what people want to put in when they want to post a video and go viral it's just not the only answer there's got to be more to it
1: i would say Um, it's a skill that i built up a really good quality comment and to it's a skill i wasn't born with it i mean hello i wasn't born like knowing how to comment on social media yeah but yeah it's such an amazing hack and when i say hack it's like i noticed when threads launched and i said why don't i try out my early commenting on large creator Concept on threads and it works because yeah. there's an art to it and it's really powerful to just start it so you can actually start to get better. It's like anything, you don't know, come out of the gate writing the most amazing comment that gets you a thousand likes and comments and whatever. Yeah. But I've done that on TikTok, I've done it on every channel because it works.
0: I can hear when you said that, like you don't come out of the gate, right? I can hear all the people that are saying in their head, <laughs> "I'm not funny." I have nothing funny to say. I don't know what to say. You can
1: add context. You can add yeah. data to a Absolutely. Power. So you, add-
0: you can do anything, right? Like, it's just the reason why I talk to people about creating is, and the thing I get people to do is create a video, any video, whatever it is, right? It's because the process of creating something opens your brain up. So it's only then do you discover that some people do find you funny. And actually, there is a lot you have to know about. Expertise that you've got in your brain, it, it falls out of you, you know, but it is just an unused muscle, right? Like, commenting, it's a skill that you've just got to learn over time.
1: And I'm trying to think of the dates, but I think it was around 20, 2017 that I realized, whoa, if I start commenting, if I comment yeah. on Gary, if I comment, it was 2017 that I started that. And I really honed in on Gary because I just liked it. his His posts lended themselves to kind of easy comments that I could kick out really, really fast. And by the time it was around 2019 is when I got to go into Vayner and do that and record that podcast, record content. So it took two years. But again, that's the power of being consistent on that. He wasn't paying attention to my posts. He he wasn't coming to... Maybe no, his team was <laughs> his but team, I knew was, his yeah, team yeah. was yeah because i got to meet his team so
0: yeah and of course and then if presumably now you don't have to comment as much you get comments organically Um, you've got a team that will help you with some of that stuff as well so it's not like you have to do it forever but you do have to do it for a while and in your case well you got to that point in two years but actually 2018 if you started in 2017 2018 was when it really took off so yeah. you, you had a learning phase, almost like the algorithms have a learning phase. And then once you'd learned the phase during that period, you saw the compounding impact. And I wonder if actually it wasn't like a big post that actually got your all the views. It was just the algorithm seeing, hey, this is a big engager. We should give her more focus. Yes. Give her more reach, you know.
1: LinkedIn, okay, how do I say this? I like to think of... Some um, things in life, like I'm just playing a board game and I'm just moving my little character. So if I think of my points that I'm going to get each time I get to roll and I get to do my thing. So I'm like landing on the square of commenting and I'm like, I got 100 comments. I get 10, dollars $10 or 10 points yeah. back or whatever it is. I get my little tickets from the machine of ski ball or whatever. I don't know. I'm mixing my game analogies, but I love gamification in my mind of what I'm doing. So, yes, I will say, though, that LinkedIn rewards my account. That's specific to LinkedIn. They will reward my account based on how much I'm commenting, period. So for all of you, if you really did want to get active on LinkedIn, it's not just a fun thing I'm saying. Commenting in general on LinkedIn gets your content more points to be visible. I think yeah. of it as like a point system because it's easy for me to go. I got lots of points on my game board today. Yeah, what?
0: and and it is absolutely every platform. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. You talked about TikTok being the same, you know, like you'll notice the viral videos are the ones with the most comments, the most likes. It is just true. Um, and it doesn't matter. Um, Austin Armstrong, another one of the guests. He talks about it doesn't matter whether it's good or bad engagement. Like if someone hates the post or is pointing out a spelling mistake that you've got, like it's still engagement. So it's just going to Same
1: thing on LinkedIn. I love that he says that. But when you do something on LinkedIn, you need to make it a clear statement so people can agree and disagree. If you have a wishy-washy post with 10 million caveats and trying to cover everyone's perspective, Nobody is like, okay, that covered everything I could have said in the comments. You kind of have to make it a bit of a strong statement.
0: Yeah. And, and it's we'll like agree you said about, it's great to have a disagreement, right? Because it is just like, I mean, how boring would did. it be if, yeah, how boring <laughs> would it be if we didn't find different ways of, like, neither of us can be right and neither of us can be wrong. Like, it's just our opinions.
1: It's, we rewind <laughs> yeah. and we go back to that moment. I literally said Consistent content is not like I said something strong because I wanted to get a reaction because I know that's how we operate. It's not that I am so obnoxiously married to that, that I couldn't, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. There's a way
0: to receive the response to it as well. And I think that's the point where people go wrong is because they try to prove people wrong in their response. And in fact, actually just being okay with somebody saying, oh, I don't agree with that. And this is why. And you can just say, okay, cool. Well, thanks so much for commenting or whatever, you know.
1: So I did make a quote wall when I started a content online. I yeah. made a wall of quotes to keep, and I didn't know I was doing, now I can look in hindsight and go, that wall quote kept me sane. And one of the quotes on that wall is you do not have to attend every argument that you're invited to. Yeah, <laughs> That's I like that quote because every day That's I good. look at it and I'm like, if you're a content creator, you're going to be technically invited to a lot of argument
0: yeah yeah you're opening you your invited to argument yeah yeah you don't have Absolutely. to join them all totally 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 agree And <laughs> i think it's a good point to make completely look we could talk forever judy I don't yes, want to we take could. all of your time <laughs> thank you so much oh the one thing i wanted you to tell me is about just the last thing just to finish on the consistency thing is we talked just off air about the fact that I messaged you two years after I originally messaged you about the podcast and you said and I felt really bad because I sent the message and I said will you still be a guest on my podcast You said yes and I said it's been a year since I messaged you and then I looked and it had been two years so I was like so sorry it's been two years and then I just laughed and you said something about what permission it had given you for your own podcast so I just want you to talk about that a little bit because often when we do stuff and we like I really a big believer in just trying stuff out, and sometimes it's crap and it doesn't work, and you can just move on. Like nobody's coming to go. The consistency police are not going to come in and say, "Oh my god, you didn't do the thing you said you were going to do." Like just give it a go. But in this case, I didn't give it a go at all. So talk about that for us for a second.
1: Yeah. No, I, I, you, you made my inspiration quote wall that I literally have, which it is this idea that. There's this overwhelming feeling that connects us to moments in our life that we didn't follow through. We didn't respond. We didn't, we mess up. Like there's this yes. feeling that I messed up. Like I didn't do the thing. I said I was going to, I don't know, whatever it is, we've all experienced it. And if you're online, you're being asked to connect and talk and network probably to an unsustainable amount of people.
0: Yeah. trust.
1: It's a mind-blowing amount of people sometimes that you can get into conversation with no matter what your audience has. There's so much activity online. that's there's no way you can follow up and be perfect everywhere online, but I still feel like we want to. And so this feeling is released when I recognized my own response to getting that message from you, which was just pure joy, like joy. And I was like, wait, I don't care that it was two years. There's no like, thanks. There's no, I'm actually just happy that I'm on his radar, that he asked me again when it was time and that you were very just practical about it. Like, it's just a fact, like whatever. It is not something to be ashamed about living in shame. And carrying that shame, and which then doesn't allow you to move forward to create the next thing you might actually create, which is now this recording. So it releases me. When I looked at that, I was like, wow, I should just follow up with somebody that I, maybe I left them hanging because I've left plenty of, I just have.
0: There's many people that want you to follow up. They're not sitting there waiting for you to potentially, but like just the fact that you are going to follow up it's a good way to kind of close the shame if there is shame in yourself, you know, like, and when I looked at it, I was like, you know, my list had changed over the two years, of course, but when I went to all the people that I'd asked, cause I'd asked about 20 people, I was like, a lot has changed for those people. Maybe they won't want to do it anymore. Maybe they're too big or whatever. But I just thought I'll just go for it. So the worst thing that someone says is no. And then you've not lost anything. Cause it was a no before either <laughs> an unknown answer is a no before anyway, so. Uh, I I just thought that was important to talk about, especially because we all have the best intentions when it comes to consistency and creating content. If you fall off the wagon, just get back on, even if it's two years later. Wicked, Uh, last thing I'll ask you just before we go, um, of course, um, how can people reach you? uh, Tell us a little bit about any products or anything that you want to talk about that you've got to offer. Yeah,
1: you can go to GUD. I that is the key judyfox.com or just go to linkedin judyfox uh, i'm always grateful for a follow on hashtag fox Rocks on linkedin i think it's fun to have a hashtag on that platform and you will be in a elite group of people because there's about 1,000. and i'm trying to think how many followers on that hashtag uh you'll be part of the early 1000 true fan vibe so Getting i will early. say i will mail out fox like little Oh, my gosh. I mail these out to people based on literally being fans um, following my hashtag, FoxRot. Um When it comes to my business, I will say um, I'm headed in the direction of putting out some videos that people can level up on LinkedIn. The number one thing I'm focused on that I'm getting a lot of people uh, connected to is earning them a top voice badge now on LinkedIn that okay. has been opened up beyond just the top you that know, it's being rolled out and now i'm a top voice so i excellent. am going to release that because i was working with doc rock with ECAM, and he got a top voice as a content creator with my excellent
0: amazing so, we'll stick the links if you send me the links to those things I'll stick them in the show notes afterwards as well. uh, thanks so much for your time it's an absolute pleasure after all this time to see you again and for you to be on the podcast so i really appreciate it Thank you for having me. Bye-bye.